I always have kind of a childlike wonder about things. There are mornings I get up and I'm just like, oh, I have to go to the city today. How, how's that going to work? I think being kind of, you know, childlike and seeing the, the world through those eyes keeps it fresh. And I also think that saying yes to adventure, saying yes to new things, um, not limiting yourself. There's a certain joy to be kind of a novice at things and say, I don't know, I've never done this before. Welcome back to Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey, guys. Hey, ladies. All right. So this is Jamie here. I just had to do the intro for today's guest because we actually have like kind of a hilarious backstory that I'll get into in a minute, but let's just get grounded on who we're sitting here with today. Emmy award-winning TV personality, style expert, fashion designer, interior designer, and New York Times best-selling author are just some of the credits of the multi-talented and unforgettable Carson Kressley. Carson started his career as an independent... Oh, my- oh hi. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Hi. I just got so excited. I was like, yes, that's me, You're everybody. Like, that's me. They're talking Thank about you. me. Okay. So Carson started his career as an independent stylist and became invaluable to major designers such as Ralph Lauren. That's the little teddy bear on a shirt that he's wearing right now. He's like so fabulous in polo today. I love it. In his Pennsylvania digs. We'll talk about that too. He took a leap into television and became a breakout star on Bravo's Queer Eye for the Straight Guy and won a primetime Emmy and gained a worldwide following. Uh, in his collaborations with Oprah Winfrey, Carson revolutionized America's personal fashion sense of style. He's hosted multiple TV shows, competed on several reality shows, including... NBC's hit show, Celebrity Apprentice. Ooh, you got to tell us, like, we need all the deets yes. there. <laughs> Food Network, Celebrity Cupcake Wars. Oh, girl, dish the dirt. ABC's Celebrity Family Feud and the 13th season of Dancing with the Stars, where he was a fan favorite, raising awareness and donations for several charities. Carson is a key judge on TV series RuPaul's Drag Race, where he continues to win multiple Emmys. And then new fan favorites include his interior design show, Get a Room with Carson and Tom, Free Forms Rap Battle, that's W-R-A-P, and his new home entertainment talk show, Couched, where he interviews A-list celebrities and elite interior designers. Amongst being a strong support of many philanthropic causes when Cressley is not starring on stage or screen, he can be found atop one of his American saddlebred show horses where he's achieved world champion status. And that is actually how Carson and I actually I know it. each other. So it's the horse thing, but also, okay, ready? So I walked up to Carson at like four in the morning um, at the Roxy, like in the coat check line of the rock or like five in the morning. It was late. It, it was uh-huh, light out. Let's uh-huh, be real. Uh-huh. And I was like, hi, I was like, not in my, I was like 21 years old. I was like, hi. And I kind of introduced myself and I said my name, which was Jamie Krause at the time, my maiden name. And usually if people are going to recognize my name for anything, they're like, oh, like, are you Joe Lana's daughter? Like maybe they heard about my family. And he was like, wait, did you win the 1992 <laughs> National Pony Finals? And I was like, say what? <laughs> Well, I didn't even know at that time that Carson was a horse person, but obviously between, um, so between horses and like 5 a.m. at nightclubs, we have a long history together. And we've been doing we dinners really and lunches do. and laughing ever really since. Do. Right, Carson? Yes, yes. I, I think I, oh, the rocks, see, those were the days we probably both had like chupa pops in our mouth. Uh-huh. And it was, you know, I was probably wearing a, a, 
a tank top or a midriff or a tube top, and you were the, wearing the same, and mm-hmm. it was glitter involved. But it was super fun. Those were the days. I, yeah, know? I got Those pictures. So don't don't tempt me. I'll pull them out. <laughs> Mm. I want to see. Okay. Well, before we get into the topic, this is Christine. Hi, guys. Um, I want to ask a quick question. We usually do our weekly catch up. Hi. And um, since we're all merry and bright and getting ready for the holidays, I want to know if you guys have um, any favorite holiday traditions and if you're able to still do them now with lockdown and everything else. Today, I shared on my Insta, um, one of my favorite things is to get the Christmas tree. New York City has all the fun little stands with lights and, you know, it's easy. It's outdoors. It's still safe to shop as long as you have a mask on. And um, it's just, it makes it just, mm-hmm. the whole city feels so festive the second they put those trees up. And I just, I love it. It's fun to do with, you know, the whole family. If you have kids or me and the hubby usually go out at night and get them. And then, you know, you carry it home. Everyone's laughing on the street because it's a big tree and John's a big guy and he's like holding it with one hand. So it's just a fun tradition. And I'm glad that we can still actually do that. You know, we can't do everything, but that's still one that we get to play around with. So how about you guys? Oh, I'd like to do the same one. Does John have a brother? That would be super fun. <laughs> Actually, he does, and but he he, uh-huh. he has he has a partner. His brother has a partner. They live in D.C. Um, but if anything ever happens, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, put me on put me on the short list. Put me yeah. on the list. Yeah, is he hulking as well? And I will. This is Heidi. Our holiday traditions are like totally busted this year for like a million reasons, not the least of which my son is having surgery on Christmas Eve, but. We're still doing Elf on a Shelf. And I have I had three kids in two years, so they're all very close in age. And um, they are all still very young, and they very much believe in all of it. So every night after they fall asleep, I have to, like, move the elf, who they named Charlie. Um, and if I don't move him, they're like, Mommy, Charlie didn't move. It means that you didn't tell him to go see Santa last night. And I'm like, because you were good. I don't know. He didn't have anything bad to report. I, it's a lot to remember, but it's like a nice, fun tradition. He like pops out of Thanksgiving. And then every day, all of a sudden, you have obedient children because you're like, Charlie's watching. He's going to tell Santa. That's, so smart. That's good. Our elf does crazy things. We got really? Ginger and then we got Peanut because our elf had a baby and our <laughs> baby is naughty. What? <laughs> What is there was like oh a candy cane God. trail this morning. <laughs> Tomorrow he's hiding in the bathroom and we've got a musical toilet paper holder. It's crazy. I, can't. I mean, again, you I put so much work into that. I no. Just me. Fun right. is like not Your elf work. had a baby? Yes, named Peanut. Oh, my goodness. He's this big. Your elf is a whore. Oh, my God. I love it. Dirty whore. <laughs> it's Santa's. Yeah. It's Santa's baby. Don't tell. Dying. Oh Don't tell Mrs. Claus. <laughs> I can't even answer this question because we all know I have 932 yep. Christmas traditions and I invent five new ones every day. So basically, it just, it just my house is an explosion of traditions. New but make and old. On your Instagram, you did the whole tree kind of by yourself after your family helped you. Well, that's only what there's a tree in every room. Every kid has a tree and like there's trees in every bedroom. There's tree in my office. There's a tree that's just handmade ornaments in the front room. Oh, there's trees everywhere. That's like our main tree in the back room. But there's just trees everywhere. So, Carson, in case you didn't know, I Megan is the content chief of Women's Day magazine and was at the helm of Good Housekeeping and before that, Cosmo, where she actually did a story on you at I one did, point, Carson. Right? You were one of our fun, fearless males 100 yeah. years ago, and I wrote the story. That's true. Yep. 
I remember. I still have the glass um, trophy. You got that it. Says yes, there was. Yes. Male and I wrote and Josh Dumel the was there. Oh my God! I know. Yes, and and um. Yeah. Oh my gosh! And Simon Cowell. Simon Cowell was one of our winners. It was. It yeah. was a good lineup. Was that, yeah. Um, yeah, and um, it was Cipriani, really fun. Cipriani, it was a great Cipriani party. or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Cipriani on Forty Second Street. I, I remember. Say it, right? I always feel weird um, saying cuddling. Cipriani. I do too. Uh, but I've had so many great memories there of canoodling with Josh Dumel. And yeah, it was wonderful. So thank you. Yay. I love that. Um, okay. Well, this is Jamie. And I, I don't know. I grew up really in a weird sitch because my mom hosted the Very Merry Christmas Parade for Disney World for my entire life. So like my Christmas was all people are like, oh, like, do you guys do stockings? Or I know you're like Jew. Like, you know, your father's Jewish. Like, do you celebrate Hanukkah? Do you do Christmas? I'm like, we do hair and makeup at six and then we're in the back lot at seven so my entire life i just thought christmas was like a, in a production like i spent most of the day in like a uh you know like a mobile home like that was her dressing room right. which by the way don't you know obviously it's not like feel bad for me i didn't have a christmas like it was like cool i spent christmas like in mickey and minnie's lap you know it was pretty mm-hmm. rad but suffice it to say, we never had any formal traditions growing up because it just wasn't a normal thing. But I will say that um, that parade has definitely like, uh, you know, stuck with me. And I do like getting up on Christmas morning and watching that with my family. And now that we're here in Pennsylvania, I just honestly, it's like embarrassing how thrilling it is just to wrap a set of friggin' string lights around a tree. I'm like, we did a thing, you guys. I share it on my Instagram. Like, we're just so not used to being able to decorate after living in apartments for 20 years that we're just psyched to be here. That's all. We're just psyched. Okay, well, we can all say with conviction that we are ready to collectively say bye, Felicia, to 2020 and step on into 2021 with a spirit of reinvention. And if anyone knows how to refresh, revitalize, and reinvent, it's Carson. As someone who has enjoyed such an incredible longstanding career, such a rarity to remain cool and relevant for two decades, like who does that? Carson has mastered the art of the refresh and has done it with grace and and charm. We just knew our audience would love to be hear about his journey, especially as we go into the Christmas week. So Carson, please tell us your secrets and let's throw a little holiday glitter around. Whoop whoop. I love it. Oh, I just happen to have some holiday glitter. I always have <gasps> I, I have holiday glitter when it's not the holidays. Same um, I, I you know, I thank you f- Thank you for that glowing um, introduction again. Um, I just feel like um, uh, I always have kind of a childlike wonder about things. There are mornings I get up and I'm just like, oh, I have to go to the city today. How, how's that going to work? I was like, wait, I have a car and I have a driver's <laughs> license. Like I, sometimes I still feel like I'm like in eighth grade. And I'm just like, how am I going to get to New York today? But um, I think being kind of, you know, childlike and, um and seeing the the world through those eyes keeps it fresh. And I also think that um, saying yes to adventure, saying yes to new things, um, not limiting yourself, there's a certain um, joy to be kind of a novice at things and say, I don't know, I've never done this before, but you know, don't perm your hair at home. I'm not talking crazy here, <laughs> but um, trying new things, trying you know uh, looks and colors that you maybe didn't think you could wear or. Um, decorating your house in a new and different way this year. This is the year to do it because, you know, there are, all the rules are like out the window um, and just um, having fun with it. I, you know, Jamie will know um, 
I've been a horse rider for, you know, my entire life. And I did the same thing over and over. And then this year I was in LA and I was just like, I'm going to try something different. And I started jumping and I was just like, wow, this is so fun. And it's just, it's so fun to uh, turn the world on its ear and try something new. So I'm just a big, you know, try something new kind of person. And there's real, there's really no like secret or no great wisdom to it. It's just uh, be open, say yes, and um, try new stuff. I want to hear like, what, what was like first grade, second grade, third grade, high school, Carson, like, like take us back. Like, how'd you get your start? Oh gosh. I was always, um, I was, I think I was just always a little bit fabulous. And um, (laughs) I just remember, um, yeah, I just, I was always different, you know, and kids were just like, have you seen the $6 million man? Isn't he cool? And I'd be like, yeah, and he's super hot. This is like in first grade. So (laughs) needless to say, there were some eyebrows raised at my corduroy two-piece suit with a vest and matching silk floral (laughs) shirt. Thanks, mom. Um, but I've always enjoyed style. I've always enjoyed dressing up. I've always enjoyed like design, like decorating. I've always liked making things look good. Even, you know, growing up with horses, it was like, well, well, let's put some braids in here and let's, why can't we put glitter on their feet? I mean, I think we can do that. Can't we? We have glue and we have glitter. Um, so I was just always trying to make things, um, as Dorinda says, I was trying to make things nice and um, that's always been kind of my prerogative um, to the world. And I l- always loved helping people with it, too. Like, you know, going over and helping people like zhuzh up their bedrooms or picking out prom dresses or, um, you know, we got our, our house redone in 1976. And a lady came over to do like draperies. And she was like, we're going to do this and do this and do this. And I was like sitting there with my mom. I was like, uh, no, I don't think so. I think we need swags and jabos. And the woman is just like, who is this eight-year-old idiot savant? Um, but it was, you know, that was always my, um, that was always my vantage point in the world is, is through design and style and, um, presentation, I think. Would you say that one of your style tips or one of your main style tips is to be the same way, kind of like daring and try something new or something that scares you a little bit? Yeah, I think so. I think um, most people, and I've done hundreds and hundreds of makeovers on tons of different TV shows. And the number one thing when I take, you know, clients out shopping, whether it's on TV or not, is, oh, I can't wear that. Oh, no, nope, I don't look good in that color. And I'm just like, mm, have you tried that? Because I think we're oftentimes our own, our own biggest limiter. And I think if we just sometimes we need a fresh set of eyes to say, no, you can try this. And then nine out of 10 times, we'll try it. And they'll be like, wow, I didn't know I would look good in aubergine. I'm like, well, that's why I'm here. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, I think being taking li- little leaps here and there is very liberating. And again, you know, don't perm your hair at home. Uh <laughs> Don't buy a, you know, a chartreuse jumpsuit. Don't get crazy. But I think little, um, little, um, things that get you out of your comfort zone, maybe once a week or once a month or here and there, um, just keep it fresh and new, especially in the world of fashion and beauty. I think there's so many options out there. We just really have to, um, A, have fun with it and try new stuff. Do you feel like, where did you get that type of confidence though? Was your mom and your dad, your siblings, like, where did that come from? Were they like high-fiving you and being like, wow, yes, that's fabulous. Like, where did that, who, who encouraged you and and kind of that? No, no. No, um, no, no, I was, um, I was just, um, 
Uh, I was just out on my own. I mean, I, I wasn't not getting, you know, praise for it. They weren't like, oh, this is terrible. Uh, but it was just, it was just kind of who I was. And I just always had a, um, I had a bossy sense of style, even, you know, like as an eight year old, I was, um, and it's just, uh, it's just there. And no one really encouraged it. I do think, you know, being artistic, you know, I would win like art contests in school. That, those little things give you confidence. You say, wow, I, I guess I am good at this. But that was really it. I, no one really was like, you should do this or you're amazing. Um, I just was kind of, you know, uh, it was a drive that came from within. How do you take that drive and like parlay it into the, obviously not anyone else can have the epic career that you've had, but how do you take that drive and make it? a career like what did that look like you know what um uh it it didn't it didn't look very linear it was very all over the place but um i um i always had a strong sense of self and i always had a strong sense of adventure and of fun and um uh and i do think growing up showing horses was a huge and jamie will understand this a huge confidence builder because you're like traveling around and you're kind of like not with your parents you're with your like horse trainer and you're like 14 and you're talking to people who like own m&m's brand candy i'm like wait you own everything um so you're with these like really influential people and you just kind of um gain confidence and say oh i can kind of talk to anybody i can i can do whatever so I had this ignorance is bliss kind of attitude and I decided I was going to, you know, go to college, get a great education. And then I was going to move to New York city the day after I graduated. I remember it was, I think it was, it paid $30,000 a year in 1991. And I was like, what am I going to do with all of this money? I'm going to buy so many <laughs> shoes and clothes. And then I was like, wait, rent is $1,700 a month. What? Uh, nonprofit for a while, but I was always a bit of a dreamer and, and a um, anything is possible kind of guy. And uh, I was like, oh, I think I'd like to work at Ralph Lauren. That's kind of my jam. I love the look. I love the vibe. I love the culture. And then I just, I got an interview and I, the next day I got a job there and I was like, oh, okay, that was easy. And um, I worked for Ralph's brother, Jerry, and I bought sardine sandwiches and went to the grocery store for them. And it was like the devil wears Prada, except everyone was really nice and wearing, you know, teddy bears on their sweater. Aww. And um, one opportunity just led to the next. And then, you know, one day somebody at work said, Oh, I heard about this show called queer. Eye. It's going to be on Bravo. And at that point I was like, what's Bravo a nonstick cooking spray. I don't even know what that is. This was in nine, you know, in 2002, um, and um, they said, you know, to show about, you know, five gay men who are experts in different areas of, you know, style and beauty and grooming. And I was like, oh, I, I think I'm an expert. And um, I went and had an audition and I was my sassy self. And they're like, um, OK, what are you doing next week? We're going to make a pilot. I was like, I guess I'm going to go make a pilot with you. And um, I waited like a year and um Nothing happened and it was crickets. And I was like, I, I still have a great job. I loved what I was doing at that point. I was, you know, styling all of the ads for Ralph Lauren and I was traveling around with Bruce Weber and Patrick DeMarchelier and all these people and like going to great locations and hanging out with gorgeous male models and, you know, Samoyed puppies. And I was like, this is great. But then they did call a year later and they said, um, we're going to make this show. Can you quit your job? I was like, do you even have dental insurance? Um, which they didn't. 
And, um, but I had a great boss at Ralph Lauren. This is another one of those like overarching, um, themes is that if you work with great people, and I had this amazing woman at Ralph Lauren named Liz Paley, thank you for my career. And she said, you should try it. It sounds really amazing. And if it doesn't work out, we'll just hire you back. And I was like, what? Um, and, uh, I tried it out and then like, I don't know. I think the first episode aired in July and by August, like we were on the tonight show and in September we were at the Emmys and I was like, I was just folding socks like three months ago. Uh. Um, so, uh, I just say yes to opportunities. I try to surround myself with great people. I believe everything is possible. I was too naive to know like, Oh, well you can't be on TV. You, you know, I just, I just always thought everything was possible. And again, I think it goes back to even like growing up riding, I would have like a terrible horse, but I would somehow like pull it all together. And I would wind up getting like a third at a really big horse. show, And I was like, see, we, we belong here. Um, so th- those are kind of my, my um, mantras. I but love also- that. Cause it's like the opposite of imposter syndrome. It's like most people feel, yeah have this imposter syndrome and you almost just inherently somehow, which is just such a blessing from the universe, had this opposite of that. But I got to ask this, Carson, because I think it's all very humble. I think it's a beautiful, those three tenants are obviously a great foundation, but I think you're very humble. I think that there, there have to be some. There, there must be something in there that you have done differently than other people because many people have confidence and walk the walk and talk the talk. So I'm wondering what is the most important thing that has kept you springboarding from thing to thing? Because I'm wondering, is it your connections? Is it your keep? Is it your knocking down doors? Like, like how do you continue right. to finagle your next move? Uh, I think, yeah, that's a great question because it is really hard. It's hard in every industry, whether it's like, you know, every, every industry has like new up and comers that you're kind of, you know, um, warding off and you're trying to stay relevant and be, be at the top of your game. Um, I think the secret maybe is that. Um, I've never really put myself in a box and said, oh, well, I'm a stylist and I can only do shows about like style and makeovers and design. Um, I love interiors. So I was like, well, let's do a show about interior design. Um, I love horses. So I'm pitching something right now to discovery about, um, you know, that world. So I just kind of um, I just kind of get out of my own comfort zone and also say yes to a lot of different opportunities. People are like, oh, we thought about you for this like food network show, but I don't know. Are you a foodie? And I was like, listen, I've been eating since I was a baby. Of course I know about food. Uh, <laughs> right. So I just try to, um, I say yes to a lot of opportunities and um, someone that really had an impact on me. This is weird, but I knew him from writing is William Shatner. And he would always say like, I say yes to so many things. And like in his day, like actors didn't like, um, get stock options to like hawk Priceline, but he was like, this sounds like a great business opportunity. He hawked Priceline and made like millions and millions and millions of millions of dollars. Um, and he says, I just, you know, I wasn't that picky. I would say yes to a variety of things. They didn't have to be like Shakespeare. And, um, I feel the same way. Like I'll, I'll, I'll sometimes I'll say yes. And I'll be like, you know, in Peoria, like filming, I'm like, why am I here? But most of the time I'm just like, gosh, that was really fun. Uh, I got paid money, which I'm still shocked about. And, um, uh, and I had a great time. So I just try to try lots of new and different things. And I think that's kept me, um, out there. 
This is Heidi. I just want to say that listening to you, another thing that strikes me is that you're very much not afraid of hard work. Like you said, you were picking up sandwiches at Ralph Lauren. And, you know, it seems like you do a lot. That's definitely part of you, right? Does that come from a horseback riding or? Um, That comes from having really awesome parents who um, were such hard workers. And um, I come from like Pennsylvania Dutch like stock and we're all like farmers from Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, every, you know, working like 12 and 14 hours a day, that's just like normal. And, you know, that's what I saw growing up. And there were very few vacations. And especially if you have livestock at home, it's like, you're not going anywhere. Trust me. So I do know the value of hard work and even working at Ralph Lauren, like it was one of those places where everyone wanted to be there. It was literally like the Devil Wears Prada. A million other girls would, would kill for your job. Mm-hmm. And um, so you're like, you know, working there. I, I remember going to a fashion show. I, it was in Milan. I was like, what is this a movie? And I was like flying there as part of the team. I was sitting next to Calvin Klein, which did not go well because I was all awash in RL everything. <sighs> and he was like, who is this person? And um, with my embroidered RL gold bullion slippers. But we did that show. And, you know, Ralph would walk through the the room and look at all of the looks on mannequins and say, oh, I like this. I don't like that. And that year we were doing all velvet slippers because that's a Ralph Lauren staple. And they were embroidered in gold bullion, which is like gold thread or brass. I don't know what it was, but it looked like gold. And he's like, oh, I, 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 you know, I wish these, these should be silver. And I was like, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just like, oh my God, we've got to change like 500 pairs of loafers, slippers from gold embroidery to silver. So, you know, I hit the road in Milan, you know, on a Monday and there's like a siesta in Milan. I had no idea. I was like, wait, you guys have been closed all weekend and now it's Monday and you're still, there's a break from three to five in the afternoon when you're not open. So I was looking around for model airplane paint in silver and the world's smallest paintbrush to change all of these embroideries thread by thread um, from gold to silver. But that's what you do, um, you know, in showbiz, in fashion, in horses, like, Whatever it takes, you just have to do it. So that's always been my mantra. And um, and once I transitioned into showbiz, like I still feel like so lucky to do what I do that um, we're going to work hard, like home makeover shows. You have no idea. Like the van is like getting caught on a fire hydrant and all of the furniture fell off on the LIE and like crazy stuff happens. But it's got to look amazing. And also I learned that at Ralph Lauren too. Details are so important. Like everything has to be great. Um, so I'm not on set saying, Oh, I think that looks good enough. I'm like, does this look amazing? Because if it doesn't, we've got to keep, keep going. Um, and I've always worked with people who have that same sensibility too. And that really helps. This is Christine. Uh, quickly, I'm, I'm a stylist too, and I was a fashion editor for years at a bunch of different magazines. And don't you also notice that everybody always thinks everything you're doing or in that industry is just so super glamorous and, oh, how, you know, you have this luxurious, luxurious life. And yes. really behind the scenes, I'm yes. like sweating, I'm cutting my hands, I'm packing boxes, and I'm the fashion director, but yet I have a knife in my hand and I'm sticking, you know, pins in the back of the model last minute. But you have to just take that and of go with course. it. And this is Jamie. 
Amy, and, and that's Love exactly boots. what I was going to say. I mm-hmm. think, Carson, you come from a different era. And that's, uh, we all do because we're a little bit older. <laughs> we're not millennials as many mm-hmm. influencers mm-hmm. are. And that's kind of why we started this show because we, we do bring a little bit of a different point of view. And this is no dig on millennials. However, I believe that there was a different work ethic back in the day. And I hate to be like that old lady that says it, but you know, you hear, I hear a lot of complaining now about, Oh, and the, the internship and I didn't get paid and I'm going to sue the Vogue. It's like, we got paid in education in learning how to be disciplined, you know, hard workers, right. good at our craft. Like, and we were proud to get paid in that currency because that's how we learned how to do our jobs. Well, and we learned life lessons and you come from that era and it's so refreshing. No, I totally do. I totally do. And uh, there are times where I'm just like, you know, I'll say like old lady things to like my niece or my nephew. I was like, oh, my God, I am an old lady. I'm the old aunt now sitting at the table saying, no, no. When I was a kid, we (laughs) Uh, but it's true. And I was so uh, all of those things that you're talking about, like um, life lessons and hard work. I learned all of those in my early jobs, you know, working at Ralph Lauren for you know we didn't make lots of money but uh i have you know such a valuable that's where i i literally got my education people like did you go to fashion school i was like no i worked for ralph lauren like it was better you have to absolutely love it when you're in one of these fields i mean i think any field i mean if you're a doctor there's like a lot of like icky things about being a doctor but you have to love helping people um horses like horse trainers like oh my god they like have to do like, you know, you're up all night with a sick horse, you're cleaning stalls every day. Like, you know, it has to be a passion and the same for entertainment and fashion. You know, I, I talked to a lot of kids about working in the fashion industry and I was on the board at Philadelphia University and we had a big fashion and design program and everybody wants to get to the end game and have like a runway show. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like first you have to learn like where do the buttons come from and how do you make a tech packet? And guess what? You're going to be going to Hong Kong to look at sweater strike offs. And there's so many pieces to the puzzle. Like you better love it because there's a lot of unfun stuff and not that much like glamorous stuff, actually. Carson, Christine again here, back to when you were saying, isn't it also, doesn't have to do with also possibly your connections sort of overlapping? Like when you did leave um, Ralph Lauren for Queer Eye, weren't you probably, or maybe you didn't, but I I could probably see that there was overlap where you could possibly do someone a favor, like maybe you used their clothes on the show. Or do you see that a lot of your um, careers or connections cross over ever? And then, you know, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. And and you, you have these great relationships that actually help each other out and you start building and building and building. And you can always go back, um, you know, to those past careers. Yeah. I I mean, yes, for sure. I think it's really about relationships Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, there are many times where, yeah, I did, you know, go back and I would want to film at Ralph Lauren just because I loved, you know, the merchandise and the company and, you know, it was perfect for our client. Um, but in a greater sense, um, just having great relationships as you get older, um, again, and I'm turning into like the old lady, but I'm just like, oh my God, I know somebody who works at Condé Nast or, oh, I know somebody there. Or, oh, my, my, my cousin is a lawyer in Peoria. I can hook you up. Like you start to build a network. And again, like advice that I would give to the young people is, um, don't burn bridges too, because like you have to, it's a relationship world. And I can't tell you how many times where I will go into like a television network and I'll be pitching an idea for a show that I desperately want to do. 
And I'll see the person like either on the Zoom call or at the at the conference table. And I'm like, you look really familiar. I'm like, yeah, I was your intern on how to look good naked. I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, I run Lifetime now. I'm like, okay. Right. Um, so you never know where people are going to show up. So be nice and be professional and, um, you know, uh, be respectful of people because you, odds are you're going to, they're going to circle back in your industry and you're going to have to work with them again. So, um, that's been a really good lesson for me. And I, I've been, you know, I've been good most of the time, but occasionally there's somebody I was like, Oh, this meeting's not going to go well. <laughs> um, but, but they will circle around, especially in showbiz. Like I just feel like, um, every network executive is, um, is out there and you're going to see them again, which is great. On the flip side, I've had so many wonderful relationships. I mean, some of the people that were executives on the original Queer Eye have moved on to a couple different networks and I'll still work with them. And, you know, it's, I, I guess it's the good, the good thing about being older and more experienced is that you do have the network of people that you trust, you know how they work. And you're like, this would be a perfect project for us to collaborate on because you already kind of know their, their vibe. I love it. Um, all right. Well, I want to kind of wrap this up by, I want you just to set the, set the tone. I want to know like where you are. I want you to tell us about your life in Pennsylvania really quick, because I think most people probably assume you live in New York or LA, but you don't. So can you just tell us what your home right. looks like? What is your aesthetic and what is a day in the life of Carson Cressley today? Yes. Um, you know, I, I've lived in New York, you know, it's so funny how life, you know, becomes full circle because as a young person, I grew up in Pennsylvania on a horse farm. Um, and, you know, by the time I was in high school and college, all I wanted to do was leave and move to New York City and become friends with Madonna and Keith Haring and work for Ralph Lauren and all that. And I did. And I've lived there for 30 years and I still have an apartment in the city. Um, and the pandemic really put the fast forward button on this change of lifestyle where um, as of like last March, I finished filming a show in Montreal and I came here and I was like, oh, I'll be here for a couple of weeks and then I'll go back to the city. Well, I was here for like four months and um, it's actually been really wonderful. And I rediscovered the joys of country living and I've always really appreciated it. And I, I, you know, all of my career, I've been showing horses and juggling it. And, you know, Jamie, how that is like you kind of have to be like full in or not doing it at all. It's very hard because like you put all this time into it and they're like, oh, you can't go to the horse show because there's a work thing. And I'm just like, okay, well, work pays for all this. So I've got to go to work. But being here on the farm, typically like in the morning, I will go to the barn and I'll clean stalls. It's great cardio. It's going to give me Madonna upper arms. And um, uh, I do it with my niece and she's a horse trainer. So um it's a fun family thing. And then um, I usually come here and make lunch and then I do meetings and calls. And then, you know, I'll sometimes be in L.A. for three months working on RuPaul's Drag Race, which comes out New Year's Day on VH1. Ooh. And um, or I did a I did a Food Network show called Dirty Dishes in my apartment in New York City. There's so many new ways of like filming, obviously. Um, but then as soon as I'm done working, I really love being here. Um I'm going to get a dog. I get to be with the horses every day, which is a, such a different uh, experience from just going to the barn for like an hour and riding and then leaving, like being there and caring for them is totally different. And I, I don't do that much, quite honestly, but that's great. And um, I, um, yeah, it's, I'm like a little mini Martha. I have horses and a farm and um, I think I have good taste and 
Uh, you can see my farm, I think, in um, God, it's called Equestrian Living. And it's a magazine. You can look it up online. You can see that place and you can see um, my apartment in the city on um, Open House New York TV. I think you can Google. But um, it's fun. I, I get to be a little bit of Green Acres. Like, you know, I have my Park Avenue moments and then I come back here and I drive my four wheeler through the mud and, um, you know, feed the dogs and horses. And I have them trained now. They do know me and my car when I drive to the barn because I am still lazy. I drive to the barn because it's cold and um, they see my car coming down the driveway and the two smart ones, which happen to be saddlebred horses, run to the fence because I feed them peppermints through the car window. I saw and that on like, your Wait, story. That's the lady with the so peppermints. Cute. Yeah. And they stick their heads in the window like I'm on a safari and um, they get their peppermints and then they're like, okay, bye. Uh, but it's really, it's really been fun. So I've, I've really been um, making lemonade out of lemons and enjoying farm life. And uh, you know, I'm practically Amish at this point. I can bake, I can sew, I can hitch a horse to a wagon. Just look out world. You're preaching to the choir because, you know, I'm I got a little Amish in me, too. And I'm I'm here in Pennsylvania. So, by the way, you know, as soon as some of this, I COVID, know some of this covid craziness lifts, I'm coming to see you, girl. You have to. I have about 200 acres. We can ride and ride and ride and I'll, I'll get you on a really nice horse. Don't oh, you I can't worry. Wait. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up. We always finish up with a quick lightning round and I'm going to do that right now. So are you ready? Three important questions I have to ask you. Yes. Question number one, morning or evening workout? Oh, um, evening. I know that's bad. It's not bad. In fact, we've heard it's good, but it's rare. So good for you. What is your favorite workout? My favorite workouts are workouts that I don't know I'm working out. So um, uh, dance classes are super fun. Um Different types of riding, you know, different disciplines where you're engaging different parts of your body are amazing. Um, and then um, I will just do like a boring, like I have a carriage house here at the farm and I have like a bench and like these free weights that you can like change the weight by turning a dial. I don't know how it we works, but it does. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. And um, I'll just do that, you know, like, and I'll put on um, my new favorite band. I don't even know if they're a band. It's called Confidence Men. It's like kind of techno-y, disco-y fun. Um, you're going to love them. And I put them on and I blast and I have no neighbors and I'm just out there sweating to the oldies. I love it. I love it. And last question, coffee, tea or matcha? Oh, I like tea. I'm a tea person. Me too. Love it. All right. This is Heidi. And um, our very last section is called Karma Call. <laughs> so Megan says it way better than anyone else, but I'm the yogi. So I'll explain that karma is the Sanskrit word for action. So we ask all of our amazing guests, what is one actionable item that you would give to our listeners, small change or action they could do that would yield a big result? It could be drinking water every day. What's yours? Right. Um, I would say... Maybe, you know, twice a year, I would have a beauty checkup. Like you go to the dentist for a teeth cleaning, but I would go see like a beauty person and say like, what are your new favorite products and what do you recommend? And just get like kind of a re a rejuge on your routine. I think keeping your routines fresh and updated are really important. It keeps you um, fresh and updated as well. Love that. Love That's it. a good one. Do you mean don't buy the same CoverGirl makeup at CVS that I've been buying since I, right. I shouldn't be doing because uh, that's what I'm doing. Okay. Yeah. 
that. Just, you know, maybe you sh- maybe you should, but maybe just find out um, from a pro, like, am I, you know, let's get a checkup. Is there something <laughs> new? Oh, God, I love this. And I love you. And thank you so much for being here with us. And I'm so glad that we can just both be sitting in our bucolic Pennsylvania settings and just enjoying this life. Because, you know, I mean, this is the silver lining, right, of 2020 is that we get to like, some of us have gotten to enjoy a, a life that maybe was parallel and we never even realized was out there for us. So Carson, thank you for joining us today. We love you. And thank you to all of our listeners for listening in. Don't forget to subscribe to this show anywhere you can consume podcasts so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to follow us on the gram at Off the Gram Podcast. We'll see you next time.